The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office describes itself as being at the cutting edge of the nation's technological progress and achievement in granting U.S. patents and registering trademarks. With me today is recently appointed CIO of the agency, Jamie Holcomb. He is responsible for the design, development, and management of USPTO's information systems and technology. Jamie, welcome to GovCast. You've been at USPTO since February now. What immediate initiatives have been your focus in these first few months? Being at the USPTO now for the last four months, I was very happy to receive the warm welcome of the entire staff. It seems that there's been a 15-month gap between the old CIO and the new CIO, and everybody's been anticipating what the new CIO would bring to the table. What I've been surprised at is the fact of the tenure at USPTO seems to be in the area of average of 20 to 21 years. That's a fantastic workforce. There must be something going right at the USPTO. And I've noticed that there's a lot of lawyers and engineers and a lot of certifications within the staff. So some of the new initiatives that we've gone after is my understanding of the current infrastructure, what technologies we can bring to bear on both patents and trademarks, and then how best we can serve the business community. In essence, Director Yanku has asked us to stabilize the current infrastructure and then modernize as quickly as we can. In order to stabilize, we've actually taken a recent initiative to take some of our older applications and put them on new hardware. We were very successful with that to the surprise of many of the staff who said it couldn't be done because of the complexity. But with a concerted effort and exhaustive testing, which included nights and weekends for the six weeks prior to the Memorial Day weekend, we actually got it done. So I think the staff surprised themselves on what they're able to do. And we're going to do a lot more in that regard, modernizing the USPTO infrastructure. You began your career in the U.S. Army, a West Point graduate. What motivated you to join the military? You know, I actually grew up right outside the academy. So I grew up in a place called Middletown, New York, 22 miles west of the academy. So I always had my sight on going to West Point. But I also applied to the other academies. And actually, the Coast Guard was the first to accept my uh, application. So I was going to head over to New London first. Then I looked at all of the different things that the academies had to offer, and it seemed that West Point was mostly about leadership. And that's really what attracted me to go to West Point. You earned your degrees in computer science. That was in the early 80s. What was it that got you interested in that field coming from a, being a West Point graduate? Well, it's really interesting, too, because uh, you are an aggregation of all your experiences. And I guess, you know, being in high school, I was what they would call the quintessential geek. So I had the old TRS-80 Radio Shack computer and I drove a moped. But at the same time, I eventually became the captain of the football team and the prom king and all that other stuff. So The important I, things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. But I still had that geek inside of me. So I went, when I went to the academy, they really didn't have computer science as a degree. So I was the first one to graduate with a computer science degree at West Point. That's amazing. How have you seen technology changing since? Oh, my goodness. From analog to digital, I actually went into the Army when there was not a lot of 
digital work. It was all analog. So we had to transition the Army from the old radio systems into the new modern computer systems. And so I actually introduced cell phones onto the battlefield. I was a signal officer, and we did a lot of that work with communications. And I was specifically stationed in Schofield Barracks and went to the Republic of Korea on a lot of what they called team spirit missions. It was actually an exercise to promote our readiness for any impending wars from the north. Wow. Korea is so close to my heart. I'm actually an army brat myself, so I spent a lot of time in Korea. <laughs> it's a great place. If anybody should visit, they should go to Seoul and just... I agree. Seoul's great. Very vibrant, very young. Talk about technology, right? Exactly. When did you leave the military? I left in the 91 time frame, and I transitioned over into the intelligence community. I actually worked at a place that they couldn't call by name, but now it's been declassified, called the National Reconnaissance Office. And there's a lot of great work that the NRO does for the intelligence world. After the military, you've had a number of roles in the private sector. What brought you to public service? Actually, the USPTO is my second public service. I was the CIO at a place called USAC, which stands for the Universal Service Administration Company. It's under the oversight of the FCC, and what it is is on the bottom of your phone bills every month, there's something called the universal access charge. It's about $1.25 every month, and it'll accumulate to about $8 billion a year. And what it's used for are things like landlines out in the middle of nowhere where it's not profitable for the telephone company to lay the line. So a subsidy has been taken ever since the 1930s to ensure that everybody can access the public switch telephone network. It's morphed into, more recently, the public schools and public libraries, internet connections, as well as rural health care, telemedicine to the Indian clinics out in the middle of nowhere. So it's a, it's a great fund, and I did that for five years, from 2005 to 2010. You've also been involved in a number of startups. What is something you learned during your time there that you anticipate will be applicable right now? The great thing about the startup is usually startups have this great idea that just needs to get out there, the burgeoning technology that needs to be used by everyone. What I've found is when you're building a company of a startup, it's never about the technology. That's always a given. What it's all about is building the people and building that team that can actually take a new concept and introduce it into the world such that it's not only accepted, but also people are willing to pay for it. A lot of people poo-poo sales, but it's all about sales and the ability for people and the demand for that technology that makes the difference between success or failure. The USPTO is a bit unique in a way that Part of its inherent purpose is to provide the ability for people or other entities to be able to research existing patents. So as CIO, you have much to consider when dealing with data and technology, of course. Can you paint a picture of what the tech landscape looks like at the agency? Sure. One of the things about any organization is it's comprised of its business units and then its overall shared services. So the business that we're in, of course, is patents and trademarks. One of the things that's unique to our government agency is the fact that we're fee-funded. So we do not use any taxpayer money. It's all based on the fees. Now, one of those things about that, then, 
patents, fees, and trademark fees are kept separate and apart. But we do have finance and HR just like any other organization. So one of the great things that we're doing is trying to understand how the applications themselves, the unique custom and core applications of patents and trademarks, how that can fit in in an enterprise architecture with the shared services portfolio, HR, finance, IT. And so the landscape includes a fairly old system that needs to be modernized. And I say that because we still have code from long ago that needs to be brought into the fore. We're not taking advantage of a lot of the data technologies that are available to us. Even though we have these small pilots ready to go, and they've been tested and approved by our business users. So now what we're going to do is introduce them for large-scale use and put them out in the cloud. That will also help the American public be able to apply for patents and register trademarks more easily. That is our goal. So you've already touched on a few of those modernization initiatives. How will your background advance some of those efforts? Well, I do have a background in artificial intelligence and machine learning. So the fact of the matter is my cybersecurity experience will be directly applicable to a lot of the big data analytics that are going on. And one of the other surprises that I've come to find out at the USPTO is the large amount of data that's been able to be shared. It's funny because I have a cybersecurity background which wants me to protect everything. And then I have this obligation to serve the public and make sure they know of everything. So it's sort of schizophrenic, but at the same time, we do have definitive points of demarcation where things remain private and then when things become public. So we're going to create that bright line and make sure everything that's private stays it, everything that's public will get out appropriately. You've talked about AI, machine learning. Are some of these emerging technologies going to be used in some of these modernization efforts at the agency? For sure. One of my enterprise architectural philosophies will be loosely coupling everything. Right now, we have a very tightly coupled application with all of our finances and trademarks and patents. What we need to do is make sure that whatever we deploy can be easily taken out. In that regard, then, whatever we're using now for searching, we can replace with something that might be better. We have specifically looked at some of the AI and machine learning applications that deal with detecting fraud and image searching. So because of that, we'll be able to pilot some of those internally and then provide that type of service externally when required. Who are some of the other agencies that would be collaborative in some of these efforts? Well, a lot of people don't understand IP or intellectual property. And the fact of the matter is I've learned it myself now. IP falls into four different areas. You have trade law, patents, trademarks, and copyright. A lot of people don't know that copyright actually is under the Library of Congress, and they do all of the copywriting. Patented trademarks, obviously, that's my agency. But the whole trade law part of intellectual property, everybody, every corporation has trade secrets. That's covered by the trade law, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation is very important in enforcing those trade laws and making sure that other countries are not taking our intellectual property from our corporations. What I'd like to do is ensure that we have concerted efforts in all four areas of the IP and making sure that we coordinate our efforts. 
I've just done a reach out to the copyright office and we have gotten together on meetings. We're sharing different code. So we have a code base that we've used before and they're looking at using it right now so they don't have to go through a similar expense. So in that regard, I'm trying to reach across the aisle and make sure that we have coordinated and collaborative efforts amongst the government agencies. Taking into your account your military background and your numerous experiences in the commercial and now in the public sectors, what is next for you? I know this is your new role at the USPTO, but what is next? Are you thinking that far ahead? Well, because I just started at USPTO, that's next. <laughs> what I'm doing to do is make sure that we reach out to our fellow agencies and bring them all on board with intellectual property. It's a engine grower for the economy. It's fuel for the economy. It helps our entrepreneurs and our corporations differentiate and actually provide economic benefit to the country. So I'm involved with a mission. And like I did when I was jumping out of aircraft for the U.S. Army, Hua, we're going to do the mission. Thank you so much for joining me. Excited to be observing some of those initiatives at the USPTO as far as its modernization. And thank you so much. Thank you for the invite, Amy. It's been a pleasure to speak with you and also to learn your background. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. GovCast is produced by Amy Kluber. It is edited by Resonate Recordings. Theme music provided by Big Hoax. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com. <laughs>